0: Hello and welcome, everyone. This is Charging Up Leadership. I am your host, Heidi Fry, and this podcast is all about energizing you from the inside out with the mission of inspiring leaders to plug in, light up, and just be the best versions of themselves and how they live and lead. Here today is my very special guest, Julie Novak, former CEO turned healthcare consultant. And our topic is transition, growth, and leveraging leadership. And she is the perfect person to be talking to today. I anticipate a very free-flowing dynamic conversation. I'm very excited. Julie, welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Well, Wonderful. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Uh, especially given your recent transition, you have moved from CEO just so just for a few details. So the audience understands where you're coming from. How long did you serve in the role of CEO?
1: I was CEO for 14 years, but I had been with the organization for 33 years. So that was wow, almost all of my career. For <laughs> right, years, uh, right. Undergraduate. So yeah, that was a huge chunk of my life.
0: Okay. So in the role of CEO, uh, well, just, I don't want to talk about the association per se, but it was a statewide association. And Mm -hmm. how, how many uh, members did you have?
1: We had about eight or 9,000 members um, that were active. We had a larger group than that, that we actually represented um, because we represent physicians in every setting. So it depends on how you define membership versus people that we represent and that are engaged at the group. Okay.
0: I guess I didn't realize it was that high of a number. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of quote unquote input in bosses.
1: Yes. Well, I had 34 (laughs) board members as bosses specifically, but every member in some regard is our, is our boss is, you know, setting and shaping the agenda of the organization.
0: And honestly, just talking about the board and the challenges with the board is a whole, we might have you back for another conversation because I do, I do find that's a whole nother dynamic, right? Whole nother conversation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how many employees were part of the association outside of that membership headache you had?
1: We had about 43 uh, staff members in total. That, that includes some for-profit subsidiaries that were part of the organization.
0: Okay. And then but I know the vast you had...
1: majority of our team was advocacy and sort of the routine, routine work that we did.
0: So I, I and I knew that I knew your reach was pretty darn huge. Uh, okay. So having set the stage a little bit, I guess let's start out by talking about your leadership journey just in general. Uh, And I know that's a big statement, right? In terms of leadership, and that's always our topic, that's always my perspective. um, What was your, you just made a huge transition. I I guess first, first off, let's start there. How's it going, Mm -hmm. by the way?
1: I'm closing in on the end of my third month. Fantastic. Um, Going from a Um, organization where I was, you know, the key staff leader Mm -hmm. um, to an organization where and had been the longest tenured person on the staff, um, had seen, you know, many iterations of board members and leaders uh, throughout the organization to an organization where I am, you know, literally the new kid on the block, Mm -hmm. um, very large uh, nationwide uh, company, growing company, uh, with lots of experts, uh, lots of people with deep uh, experiences and different experiences experiences than mine was both um, challenging. It's like riding the <laughs> dragon in some regards, um, but in a good way, in a really yeah. good way, because it really gave me a chance to reset myself, but also bring kind of my experiences and my skills with me to a, a new environment where I would have to learn new things. And that was part of what I was seeking at this point was someplace that challenged me in new ways. But it's it's been a big shift, um, but not one that I regret at all because it's really, it's given me kind of a, a new life, a new take on life. And I had a conversation with uh, a colleague who was running a different but related uh, organization mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks back. And he's mid-career. Um, And he said, you know, we need to normalize being something after you've been the CEO of an organization. And I thought, exactly. Yeah. Like the idea that, you know, in baby boomers at the top of boomers, they would just do something and, you know, until they retired, that's not the environment anymore for younger people, but it doesn't have to be the environment for anybody. They, anybody could make a, a transition at some point because they want a new challenge and they want to take what they have now into a new environment.
0: So would you say that that for change, change was the main reason you made the transition?
1: Yeah, I would say that I got to a point a couple of a couple of years ago, a colleague of mine um, in another organization said, you know, I could retire and I, I'm not at retirement age. That was mm-hmm. not the transition mm-hmm. I was making. Mm-hmm. Um, said, you know, I could retire early, but I kind of feel like I have another act in me. And that mm-hmm. was a kind of a shift in my thinking like that was almost a cellular shift in my being of saying wait a minute you you can you know find a next act intentionally after having this long career in an organization um and having you know long role long-standing role um that started me thinking and that's kind of what began the path of okay if I had a next act what would it look like? What do I want to take with me? What do I want to leave behind? Mm -hmm. What kind of environment do I want to be in? And there were three things that I really was looking for. One was culture, very important to me because that was a big part of what I did as CEO, I think is shape the culture. Um, The other is content, the nature of the work and the ability to, you know, both use my expertise, but develop new expertise. And then third on the list was really compensation. That was not, you know, that was not my number one goal. It wasn't, for the sake of a, a bigger, you know, more lucrative position. It mm-hmm. was those mm-hmm. first two pieces that I was really looking for most intentionally.
0: Smart, smart. Well, and I remember talking to you, you had recommended a book you were, and not that I want to talk about the book per se, uh, but you were really hot about a particular book by Arthur Brooks called Strength of mm-hmm. Strength, which mm-hmm. I then purchased and read and hmm. I understand your perspective a little bit more because of that book, right? So can you just say a couple sentences about how that tied into your journey?
1: Yeah, he. I read that book at exactly the right time. Um, and it talks about, he he, he explains the difference between um, uh, fluid learning or fluid intelligence, if you will, and, and crystallized intelligence. And fluid intelligence is the learning, the assessing, you know, the being able to absorb new information, that's what you're doing, you know, in the early parts of your career or even your life. Mm -hmm. And crystallized intelligence is really taking your experience and the knowledge you've accumulated and being able to apply it, you know, kind of in more thoughtful ways. And he, he, based on research, he said, you know, fluid intelligence, at a certain point, your ability to just learn, learn, learn new things, accumulate more information begins to wane. But then this crystallized intelligence that you can apply based on everything you've done and experienced, that's something that can continue to grow and feed you as a human or as a professional for the mm-hmm. rest of your life. And I've started to recommend the book to uh, you know colleagues of mine that are younger in their career, because I think thinking about what other chapters of your career might look like and how they might be different purposefully mm-hmm. um, was something I really gained from the perspective that he presented in that book. So that book may hit, hit me in the right place at the right time in terms of what do I want my my you know kind of scope and my yeah. function and my purpose to be at this stage as opposed to when you're just trying to you know kind of absorb everything and everything is new to you and you're you're accumulating knowledge.
0: And I'll add to that, I remember seeing the graph in the book that talked about like how we naturally dip down mid-career and how he offers like a second bump, which is to your point, it's accessing a different set of skills. So that having been said, high level, take us on your leadership journey and how you've evolved as a person and, or a leader. I know that's like, that could be the whole, that could be the whole chat right there, but if you could just keep it high level um, regarding those skills, you know, like what, what skills have popped up. And I think you understand where I'm going with this.
1: Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. the most helpful thing to me in sort of whatever my leadership role is. And the thing that I think could be helpful to anyone, no matter what their role is or where they are in their career is more self-understanding and more ability to kind of embrace what are your tendencies, what are your strengths, what is your nor- normal way of going about, you know, problem solving or um, collaborating or whatever it is. Um, I found those kinds of tools and that kind of thinking to be incredibly helpful um, because it helps you Think about how you maneuver yourself Mm -hmm. within whatever environment you're in, whatever role you're in. But it also helps you think, especially if you're in a leadership role, it also helps you think about how do you position others? How do you give others their lane and their growth opportunity and reinforce, you know, what their tendencies are and help them think about how to offset their own, um, I won't call them weaknesses, but their own differences. Opportunities um, for growth. Opportunities (laughs) for growth. Well said. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it helped me not only understand and frame myself and embrace how I could sort of move in the world, but also start to do that for others and create a team culture that allowed that connection and that growth among uh, team members as individuals and as people connected to each other. There's nothing that we do in this environment, no matter what industry or what profession you're working in going forward, that won't involve incredible adaptash, adaptation to change, um, continuous learning, you know, continuous growth, um, I think all of those things are necessary to be successful in the world, both personally and professionally. And so to me, those foundational kind of things that I learned about myself and then built upon, uh, I think really helped me in my journey and also helped me make this transition and and be ready to make a transition and take kind of a huge leap of faith, honestly. Uh, So I hadn't planned on
0: asking you this, but I'm going to go there. Could you have made this transition 10 years ago? I mean, you could have, would
1: it, you know what I mean? No. Yeah. No, I, I felt at that point that I still had assignments that were given to me that I needed to complete. And Mm -hmm. I started to think a couple of years ago about what assignments I would give myself um, but for a variety of reasons, you know, it just took wa- a while to get there and the pandemic being one, one of the main reasons, <laughs> um, but that opened up some new opportunities as well. So I think the timing was what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could have made that shift um, 10 years ago. I do think I would have thought about transition and shifts differently throughout my career and evaluated opportunities differently, rather they came to me or I pursued them if I had had some of those skill sets earlier. And that's what I mean about that kind of learning being valuable to someone at any stage of their career, but particularly in the early stages of your life, because it helps you. I think it just helps you with your decision making process and your discernment process um, for what what it is you want to do and what it is you're trying to achieve with your skills that you have.
0: Sure, Absolutely. Well, I know you to be a person who has evolved, and who mm-hmm. has who loves growth, and who um, really digs in to learn lessons and and takeaways, and you're constantly applying those lessons to your craft, your craft of leadership. I think it's is a soul, you know, it's a soul purpose for you. Um, it drives you. Leadership does. So that having been said, I'm curious what, what, I mean, are you able to share some of your leadership lessons learned? And the second part of the, to the question, how have they maybe impacted this transition?
1: I think the, I think the first analogy I would make about leadership is it's kind of like parenting. You are ne- never really told when you're doing it right. Sometimes you're told when you're doing it wrong, <laughs> um, but it's hard to know when you're doing it right because of what does right look like. It's not mm-hmm. how your predecessor did. It's not how it was done, you know, generations ago because the world is different. People, you know, are evolving. Right. Um, so so the first thing is it's difficult to know when you're doing it well. So if you're looking for a lot of you know kudos and congratulations leadership is not necessarily going to give you that in an external kind of way mm-hmm. um, it can be internally satisfying um, but that has to be you know sort of your own assessment and your own um, perspective on it um, it's also incredibly challenged challenging because you have to make hard decisions leadership mm-hmm. isn't just doing the easy things Leadership is constantly getting up in the morning and saying, well, there's no playbook for this, because if there was a playbook <laughs> for that, somebody else would be doing it and you would be, you know, able to hand that off to somebody else. It's not a painting by numbers, time, right? No, not. It's a painting outside the lines all yeah, the time. Yeah, you got it. Sometimes with colors you d- don't know how to use, <laughs> um, but that's, that is part of the fun. You know, there is a, there is a um, kind of a creative part to that. Um, but the other side of it is, I I think personally, and I've seen it happen too many times in the real world, that good leadership is really about good partnership and good team building, mm-hmm. and and connecting people um, and allowing them to do their best work. I think the idea that there is, you know, some grand poobah at the top of an organization who has all the great ideas and everybody just executes them. World's too complex for that. And I don't think you get the best out of people in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And I've seen so many organizations that have adapted to allow, you know, that kind of silo building and that sort of top down um, to be diluted a bit. You still have to have somebody who makes the hard calls, who makes the decision, who, you know, sets and measures the direction, but it's not done in a vacuum anymore. And and maybe it never was, but I think, you know, even the idea that it was has gone away that it's really positioning everyone, finding the best people, training them, giving them the authority to do their work, assessing and holding accountable. Yes, um, but really putting together that partnership that allows the best ideas to come forward, and that and at some point, you know, you take the input, you make decisions, and then you you know move the organization forward along that track. Um, so it's this this kind of alchemy between um, you know, kind of yourself and you're bringing the team together. It's, it's making decisions in isolation sometimes, um, which can be a lonely business because somebody has to make hard calls. Um, but it's also making sure that everyone is engaged and everyone to some extent has input. Um, and you know, you get the best ideas and the best work out of everyone that way. So how would you like to be a myth buster? (laughs)
0: The MythBuster. I know I have clients who believe as they're doing their work that the person at the top, to your point, has all the answers, knows everything, but also can do everything in the organization perfectly. Like they have to your, again, to your point, they have all the answers. Should the person at the top know how to do everything that everyone's doing at the bottom of the organization?
1: No. Amen. I'll go back to rule number one. If nothing else, if you believe nothing else about that to be true, the world is too complex. The um, level of expertise is um, too broad. Uh, There's, there's too many things to know. There's too many, how could I be an IT expert? How could I be, you know, making all of the financial decisions? How could I be setting all of the granular decisions about Specific services or specific products. No one can have that level of expertise and take an organization or even a role within an organization forward in isolation. There's too much to know. The right. the growth of knowledge, the growth of data, the expansion of data. Um, it's it's too. There's too much for any one person to handle. They have to be able to kind of distill it at some point. And, you know, the the reference that you and I have talked about in the past is, you know, you want to float above the trees, but you got to know what's happening down at the forest floor. Yeah. There's a balance between those two things. So yeah. if if people want to be in leadership, they don't have to have the title of CEO, first and foremost. And secondly, if they want to be in leadership, they can't go into it waiting until they are expert in all of those things. You have to be wise enough to understand what skills you need and who has the skills that you need in certain areas but not that you have to have them yourself because mm-hmm. the, you, you will get caught up in either things that are comfortable for you or things that seem more urgent to you and other things will fall to the side and that's a you know that's a recipe right. for disaster honestly so expecting to know it all and be perfect at it all is not only unrealistic it's probably counterproductive to what you're trying to achieve
0: i love your answer and especially the word I had to write it down because I love the word. I'll use it in the future. Is granular. I have used Mm -hmm. detailed or specific, but yes, the word granular just says it all. So yeah. Thank you for busting. Three languages in the
1: weeds. You're two in the weeds. Yes, yes,
0: exactly. (laughs) Okay. So so you've made this transition. You've had to face a new version of you. You've had to let go Mm -hmm. of some of your uh, roles and responsibilities, right? You're in this new place. And do you, and I don't know, maybe you don't, but have you seen yourself apply these lessons, lessons learned? Have you like, have you had a moment where you're like, Oh, see, look at that. I I've, I've evolved in this area. Have you had any moments like that?
1: Yeah, I think the the most striking things to me, again, only three months in, still figuring it out. Sure, sure, sure. The most striking things to me were I I both embraced being the new person, but then also kind of had to fight my inner uh, achiever to say, but I've got to prove myself right Mm -hmm, away. mm -hmm. And this this is a field where I have been told by many people in the organization, it takes time, you know, be patient. Um, and I'm not by nature a patient person when it comes to kind of my own contribution.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, and so that has been, I, I think I'm in the situation for very specific reason. And part of it is to learn to just ease back from my, I have to be, you know, the straight A student right out of the gate, Sure. go back into learning mode in the sense of learning a new organization, learning some new skills But then drawing on the things that I have. And the other thing that I think I've noticed is my willingness to accept and live by the principle that I think people succeed in groups. Mm -hmm. And that it's by connecting with um, my colleagues and asking for help when I feel like, you know, because in those initial days, you have a little bit of you know, you kind of figure things out and then you get stuck and then you figure some more things out and you get stuck. Mm -hmm. And the minute I start to feel stuck, I, I reach out, I ask for help. Mm -hmm. I ask for advice. Um, I am blessed with a lot of colleagues that are very willing, you know, to make that kind of contribution. They've all been there. Um, everyone has told me whatever their expertise was, they got in this organization and they look around at all these really smart people. Um, I refer to them all, as all the cool kids and I want to sit at their lunch table um, <laughs> and they say, you know, they are intimidated by other people's expertise and they have suffered from uh, imposter syndrome, at ba- basic points, you know, in, sure. in the onboarding, um, but that's almost a universal experience. And that's because the level and the opportunity is, is so high that why wouldn't you like, that's, that's actually an attribute. That's a positive attribute in some ways. But for me, I have to kind of walk myself back, take a deep breath and go, okay, I'm here for a reason. Mm -hmm. I know I have a contribution to make. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be different than the role that I had before. And so, you know, these are, these are steps along the way that I have to get comfortable with rather than saying, I have to be successful at all of it. Right. You know, right. That's not, that's not realistic. If you're making a big jump. And because I wanted to make a big jump, I have to just remind myself there's a reason it's like that. And that was a reason that I embraced.
0: Well, there is something what's going uh, through my head right now is, boy, oh boy, talk about a, mm, we'll call it a growth opportunity or a mental Uh shift or a, Uh you know, getting, you know, really having a conversation with yourself to go from, Mm -hmm. well, potentially ego defining, right. Going Mm -hmm. from this big role, which you almost had to get out of your ego in order to make the transition. If you were stuck on, I am the grand poobah of this organization, you couldn't have quote unquote transitioned down into a, um, Uh, individual contributor role right more
1: of a content role Mm -hmm. you
0: got it so so that was one one element and then you're over here and you're no longer using formal authority in your day-to-day you're having to access all of you in a different way like in a great way Mm -hmm. so is there something that you're accessing today that you weren't accessing in your previous role
1: you know, I don't ever feel like I was a strong, you know, authoritarian from my authority kind of person, if you mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to approach it as more collaborative whenever I could. But I think in this role, I there are people who you know might leave a, a position like I had and seek a leadership role in another organization. That's a natural evolution for sure. many, many people to make. It might be a bigger organization. It might be a slightly different take on an industry. Um, it's something that kind of changes it up for them. Right. For me, I didn't want to do that. I specifically was not looking for that, you know, kind of, as I made this transition, mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to the content side to some degree, um, and not be in a position where it was about managing people and, you know, kind of hierarchy and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so that, that shift was very intentional, but it also was, I think, necessary for me to kind of continue my personal growth and my integration, you know, my my desire to be more integrated as a whole human being and not just a person with a title and an achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, and And being in a different kind of role challenges me to use the different parts of myself and to grow the different parts of myself um, because I don't have that positional authority anymore. I love and it. There's a part. I love of that, it. Part of that that's freeing. Honestly, it it's mm-hmm. like here I am, world. Here I am, new colleagues. This is me. You know, love me or leave me. Yeah. Um, and I find that the more I just show up as myself and being willing to be open and vulnerable and you know share my perspective and share my per- uh, experiences, but also treat my colleagues like colleagues and not like I had this great role and everyone should admire me for it. Sure. sure. There's a humbleness to it, but that, that allows me to, I think, be open and connect in a way um, that I find really enjoyable knowing that I am, you know, a new person and in a new environment. Um, But there are lots of people that are making that shift. And so I think you find that there's a lot in common with people that, even if they're coming from different positions or or different stages in their career, it just helps me connect with them Mm -hmm. um, on a personal and a professional level. And I don't mean personal, like, you know, hang out and have a beer, but as a human, as well as a person with a job and a role and, you know, wanting to make contributions. And that's where I'm looking for the partnership opportunities with those colleagues in a different way, because mm-hmm. I'm not coming at it from a social authority. And that's been fun. Honestly, that's been fun.
0: I I identify with that so much. I um, have had what I call my mink stole moment. And that was when <laughs> I went from big corporate jobs, uh, corporate America to when I first started my business. And mm-hmm. I remember being at an econ club meeting and I was sitting next to somebody from one of the furniture companies here in town. And they were a director, I want to say. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're the director of such and such company. I was still hung up on their pedigree in terms of the company that they worked for, right? And I Mm -hmm. came back and I thought, and, and the person said, well, what are you talking about? You're the president of your company. And I remember coming back and thinking, oh my gosh, I have been wearing my company names those former Mm -hmm. entities like a mink stole it was giving me an Mm -hmm. identity it was giving me warmth and protection so i think of myself now as naked right that you're you're out there you're fully exposed it's you like you said hello world it's me so yes you are (laughs) enjoying the freedom of being naked honestly
1: yeah and and also coming you know through that transition I also realized that it, it can be a warm and comforting mink stole but it also can restrain sure who you, you are and how you can show up in a position too there are expectations or assumptions um or biases that people may have about you because of your title that maybe creates more distance from them or more distance from who you are than is what you want, you know, for your entire mm-hmm, career. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, maybe it serves its, yeah. its role for a. Time. Yeah. I love it. Um, I love it. But it can, if be- you were here, I would well. high
0: five you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay. So you, you're in this new role. You have had some leadership lessons learned. You are applying that learning. Uh, before I ask my next bigger question, how's it going?
1: I am figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. You yeah. did say
0: that. I th- I didn't know if
1: you had. Yeah. Some I mean, other... there are days when I feel like the clouds start to part, and then days where I'm like, Oi! <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's like I see people around me that have made that transition, and they're you know farther down the path. Yeah. So I yeah. know, I know it's achievable. I know it's doable. I know I'm in the right place at this time. I know I have things to contribute. It's kind of figuring out three months in with such a dramatic shift. Yeah. It's kind of unrealistic to to think I'm going to have it figured out. Um, but I find that I live by the mantra, um, action is the antidote to anxiety. So the minute I start to feel a little like, Oh, am I doing enough? Am I moving enough? Am I contributing enough Mm -hmm. yet? Mm -hmm. I just figure out kind of how to dig in a little bit more, or I sit down, kind of go through my notes, go through my thinking and say, okay, I've come this far. What do i need to do to get to that next step so it's kind of thinking of as an iterative you know kind of a stair-stepping um approach and if i had just taken a similar job to what i had before it wouldn't be that you know that dramatic and that's exactly what i didn't want i wanted it to be dramatic, right Uh, but i just i do have to remind myself once in a while it's only three months i did what i did before for decades and you know my specific role for a little more than a decade and part of part of the challenge of that was it got a it was starting to get a yeah. bit repetitive, and that's what I was seeking to get out of is that repetition. Well, and I found I, it.
0: I love the healthiness of your perspective and your your ego and your uh, approach heading into this. So that's really terrific. So the I guess what I, I'm curious about isn't so much. Uh, isn't so much about the transition as it is just about you as a leader. Um, What does it mean for you to operate from your core and core of course, being, you know, your most inner being where there's the most truth, right? And I guess, go ahead. Now, I was gonna I was gonna say and if there was an aha or if there are any behaviors that change, but just overall I'm I'm curious about you slash your core. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that, you know, going back to the comments I made earlier about sort of understanding myself and my tendencies um and, and what has shaped me to this mm-hmm. point in my life mm-hmm. better, um, has has been the most important because I I am a person who wants to present as successful. I want to, you know, contribute, I want to achieve and move forward. That's my nature. That's Mm -hmm. what, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of my DNA and the world encouraged in me. Um, And at some point, that comes into conflict with, you know, kind of vulnerability. And um, you can't embrace growth, if you can't acknowledge, you know, there are ways that you need to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of connecting um, to being more I know that I like to learn. That is something I've always enjoyed. Recognizing that that's important to me is a big decision-making criteria for what I will do, you know, for the rest of my life. Sure. Um, I stop learning, I die. Like that's, that's the, that's the <laughs> Then that's you the better keep learning. Evaluation. We don't want the, uh, we don't want that out, that out exactly. a away. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also learned that I'm an introvert, not in the, you know, kind of old fashioned way of I'm shy, because Mm -hmm, I, you know, clearly learned how to exert myself and express myself and enjoy expressing myself uh, out in the world. Um, But that for me, understanding that that means when my battery drains, I need to figure out how to disconnect to recharge my battery, whereas extroverts need to socialize to recharge their battery. I don't get that. I don't understand. Right, right because my nature is the exact opposite. At some point I can give and give and give, and then I've got to step back, take a breath, have some quiet time, you know, do a little thinking, um, whatever it is, just disconnect for a little bit. And knowing that has been incredibly powerful. Like that seemed like such a simple thing to understand that being introverted doesn't mean you're shy. The number of world known leaders that I've heard say they are an introvert, you know, people that you would think, literally run the world right say that they're introverts make you realize that introversion and extroversion has nothing to do with whether you're you have the potential to be a leader no nope. because whatever being a leader means right um, because it's really about how you recharge yourself and and what you need to be able to have the ideas and you know the energy to move forward with something right um, so i mean it's, it's little things like that that have helped me understand my nature is kind of the fundamental part of tapping yeah. into my yeah. own core, because I, I can't, I can't be creative. I can't be strategic about solving problems or making contributions. If I can't sort of understand how I function just at the sort of human level. Right. Um, and, you know, people call it um, self-help is kind of a derogatory term, even mm-hmm. if you call it mm-hmm personal development. I think personal development is fundamental to professional development. I think they are sort of hand in glove. Um, And so that understanding yourself better part of it helps you uh, be a good leader, be a good, you know, contributor, be a good team member. Mm -hmm.
0: And you're, you know, you're singing my song here, right? Because I'm (laughs) all about the whole leader. And to me, unfortunately, we lean on or most people lean on a few strengths and they don't get to mm-hmm. know themselves as a whole person and, mm-hmm. uh, work through some of their issues and then they become very lopsided. So I'm i I'm a big proponent of whole leadership. And, and I know that about you, I know that you have evolved and developed and, um, just see life more wholly as a human being. And so you're right. It's not about professionalism. Uh, personal versus professional development. It's development, mm-hmm. period, end of story. Yep.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's another skill set that people need. It's not something you're taught in school. It's not mm-hmm. something you're taught in college. Um, it's not necessarily something you're taught in your career, although there are more kind of development uh, opportunities available to people in, mm-hmm. in, in some environments at some companies. Um, but it's it's like you know, learning to manage, manage your personal finances. Like everybody needs to know, how to do certain things to, to operate in life. And I feel like this is something that everybody should have more exposure to in some way.
0: Sure. Well, and it's interesting to me because I know a lot of development dollars are, are provided for people at the top. And then you have people mid management who are actually impacting directly so many people and if you talk mm-hmm. to them, they'll say, "Well, I've never had any management training, so even some real basic foundational self-awareness or people awareness tools are are missing." So anyway, we're 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 singing from the same is it the same choir book or same song book something like yes. that?
1: Yes. Well, I, I was know, gonna yeah.
0: I was gonna ask you what your warning indicator was that you're not plugged in, and I think you already answered that by saying, "I need time to." recharge and I need some, yeah. you know, to kind of get private and and be on your own. So then I guess a better question might be, well, I'm going to save that one for a second. All right. From your perspective, what do you think is the impact on others, especially those you lead or those with whom you work when you are plugged in versus not plugged in? So do you see the ripple effect of your self on others.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think if I had to ask people that knew me well, that worked with me closely, they could articulate, you know, when it started to exhibit,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, that I was ready for a new challenge that I needed to move into a new environment in order to continue to grow. They may not have thought about it at the time, um, but I think that there's a point at which, at least for me, because I do want to be challenged. And I think most people want to continue to be challenged in new ways. I, I mm-hmm. think that's not completely uncommon. Um, I think the, the point at which I became sort of, it became repetitive to me, even though there were still challenges to it, it was still a challenging role and environment. Um, it wasn't pulling me in new ways. It wasn't, mm-hmm. um, drawing me in a new direction anymore. I think that's, you know, kind of the moment when a shift became necessary because I didn't see anything new that I could contribute in, in mm-hmm. the role that I was in. Someone else could, you know, someone else does, someone else will. Um, but for me, I had given, you know, kind of all that I could in that environment. But But, but like my colleague that said, I think I have another act in me. I felt like I had something else to give as well as something else I wanted to grow into or learn um and it just had to happen in a new environment it for much of my career it happened in that right, one environment right. but there became a point at which I had to put myself in some you know kind of plant myself in a new garden in order to really take on that next level of growth there was no way around and yeah. blossom yes, and blossom
0: yeah. and grow yeah. so what I'm yeah. hearing you say then about your impact on others, had you stayed in that rule role not fully uh plugged in, not fully charged mm-hmm. up, the impact would have been not devastating necessarily, but you would have been giving them less of
1: yourself than yeah. what you've been yeah. giving it right definitely would have been less um you know less impactful, mm-hmm. less cohesive mm-hmm. um, I think it would have continued to be just more disconnected over time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when, you know, I realized it was, you know, time to get to in, as they say. Yeah, yeah so, you
0: got it. You got
1: it. And so and again, I, not everybody has to do that to to find that growth. That was just what I needed, at, you know, at that particular time.
0: I love that you knew it. I love that you figured it out. I mean, there are plenty of people that stay in situations that are, you know, they're, they're not happy, but they're in that situation because of, quite frankly, fear, fear of, Mm uh, finding another opportunity, fear of, uh, loss of income, fear of loss of a title or a role. And that fear Mm -hmm. keeps them stuck in, in my words, not being their whole self and not being happy, quite frankly. So I have seen you become happier as you've Mm -hmm. been making this transition.
1: So I guess, yeah, I feel like, feel like I'm more of a whole human. You got it. You got it.
0: So I guess I would just, um, as a final question, if you could give the listeners a perspective about what you do personally to charge up your leadership or to charge up your own personal energy, how you get your spark, what would, what would you say that includes?
1: so because i my number one strengths finder is learner mm. um and because you know one of my top five is you know sort of belief and ideation um i for me growth yeah there you go growth um you know intellectual growth um personal development growth are things that i really enjoy i have to figure out how to make them useful in the world learning for the sake of learning doesn't necessarily get you anywhere right right um, but learning and then applying that learning. So for me, it's, you know, a new book that catches my attention, like from strength, to strength did. Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, read another one called building the second brain, which is with all this information, which is very apt for me in a new career in a new organization, with all this information that you accumulate, how do you categorize it so that it's usable so that you can act on your ideas that, mm. you know, are generated as a mm. result of what you learn. Um, those, you know, kind of skill development or perspective development, things that I read or, you know, listen to in a podcast or whatever. Um, those are the things that kind of give me that next charge or that next tool or that next idea about how to move forward. Um, I think that to me, because I'm a learner, because I know that about myself, right. Yes, that, yes. And then how do I deploy that as a tool to move myself forward in either my work life or, you know, my personal life. Um, I think that's you know that's been a big um, asset for me to understand the role that that plays, honestly mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that you know, is that? And then, um, the other is, so as i'm as I'm in my new environment, I'm working on some things that just exist that I can contribute to, but I'm also in a place where I can come up with an idea and figure out how to create you know kind of a business line for it or how to create um, a client relationship that that, you know, someone who needs or an organization that needs that thing. And when I find myself Wait, can I interrupt you for all... a second?
0: Can I interrupt you? Is that, so are you saying you're tapping into your creativity? Because that, to me, those are, you're in creative thinking mode.
1: Creativity and passions, yeah. So okay. mm-hmm. so when there's a topic that I start talking about it and I start thinking about it, I'm like, God, I'd really love to figure out a way to work on or mm-hmm. a client that needs help with. Mm-hmm. Um, then I know, I've, I guess that's the thing is now- I can pursue longer term development of projects around my passion, my Mm -hmm. passion areas. Um, And so there are a couple of things now when I talk to them, I get kind of like physically, you know, (laughs) energized and excited. (laughs) And I don't don't have the what, you know, how I'm going to execute that as a, a thing in the real world, but just the talking about it and the investigating it and researching it and talking to colleagues about where the opportunities might exist. When I feel that spark, Um, that's, you know, that's when I know that's when I'm on something that could drive me and that I could drive contribution toward and create a team around, you know, a particular problem that needs to be solved. And it's, it's a great, um, it's a great joy. It's a great benefit. I won't say luxury, Mm -hmm. but it's a great benefit to be in an environment where I got to figure out what I contribute in the shorter term, but in the longer term, I have the opportunity to create work around passion projects and see if i can make them into you know real opportunities to help others with things that they need which is the nature of our work so that that to me has been um just a huge area of of growth and inspiration and helps me get over the mm-hmm. you know beginning
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, learning everything from you know from scratch kind of feeling
0: well and It's almost as if I asked you to use a few of those key words, like the word spark, which is one of my favorite Mm -hmm. words. And Mm -hmm. I think of it as inspired action. And Mm -hmm. the fact that that's where you get to play right now is amazing. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And just for context, (laughs) for the listeners, I just want to say I was holding my mug that has uh, the StrengthsFinder Strengths on it, and I kind of pointed to it. Uh, And Julie chuckled because, you know, I'm showing my strength. I'm, I'm a big believer in that assessment as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, just very, very, very very fun. I love where you are right now. I love that you're continuing to grow. I love that you continue to challenge yourself. I love that you have shifted from uh, a leader of people, still the leader of yourself. And now you're going into this like leader of context and ideas and content and uh and line of business i just i love everything you're doing it's just really inspiring and um i just guess i just want to say thank you so much i'm sure the listeners are as i am just keep shining your light in how you lead and how you live thank you so much julie
1: thank you i've enjoyed
0: take care loved my conversation with julie novak I especially appreciated her comments about knowing herself and how it's the basis of so many of our topics, transition, growth, putting her ego on hold, knowing that she's a learner, happiness, overall happiness, why she even made the change. Uh, Off camera, we talked about other things she does to... um, Recharge and plug in and one of those things was professional development days like they're basically Professional retreats quiet time so she can think and be her introverted self and get creative So really cool stuff two of my favorite quotes from Julie Novak today were action is the antidote to anxiety as an action person I love that that's cool. The second one personal development is fundamental to leadership development. Well, of course, I couldn't agree more. So on that note, have a great day, everyone. You have been listening to the Charging Up Leadership podcast, and I am your host, Heidi Fry, charged up, plugged in, and sending you energy, light, and love. Find me at HeidiFry.com. And don't forget to check out my book, The Light Switch, available on Amazon, in your local bookstores, or on my website. The Charging Up Leadership podcast is created, hosted, and produced by Heidi Fry. Theme music is by Yevchen Anoichenko from Pixabay.